You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Good morning, Vintage Church. Now that's what I'm talking about. See, this whole push to get everybody to come to first service, Matt, they, they were asleep this morning. I literally had to walk down and smack three people in the face before they got jacked up. And here y'all bring it, start the game. I like it. That's what it's all about. All right, we're going to do something. I want you to check. Where'd Josh go? Where's Josh Bowers at? You got nobody slide over. There you go. There we go. All right, I want you to turn to the person on your right and look them dead in the eye and say, I love you. Now I want you to look at the person on your left, dead in the eye, and say, I love you. That's pretty good. Y'all are, y'all are still better in first service. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love it, Venice Church. Amen. You don't believe me? Look at all the babies. <laughs> Woo. I have a case I came to Venice Church. I didn't have any youngins. Now I got two and one on the way. I blame Venice Church. Yeah. Wow. If you ain't pregnant, you will be. Just keep coming. <laughs> Welcome to Vintage. Oh, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Man, I get jacked up. Wow. I love being up here. I love preaching, man. Um, and I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you something about your pastor. I love him. I'd give him a kidney tomorrow if he needed it. Okay. Let me tell you something about your pastor. You know, it, a lot of times when he's not here, you know, I'll preach or whatever. He'll text me and say, hey, man, I'm praying for you. You bring it. I was like, okay, man. He's not here on Sunday. You know, I come in and preach. We get after it, whatever. But then there are some days where he is here on Sunday, right? Can I just tell you it's a different Matt? It's a different Matt. He texts me on Thursday and says, hey, man, I'm praying for you. Love you. Did you bring the word? I said, I will, man. Ready to go. Come in this morning, he says, man, I hate you. I wish I was preaching. So y'all pray for our pastor. He needs it. I do love you, man. All right, y'all ready? Today we're going to talk about serving others. Woohoo, Casey, yay. We're going to talk about serving others. Y'all get jacked up about that. Hey, I'd be willing to bet you're here today because somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and was okay with serving you. If you call yourself a child of God today, you're here because Jesus humbled himself to the foot of the cross so he could serve us. Serving others is big. It's a big deal. And before we get into that, I want to give a shout-out to Chris Foster for bringing it last week. Amen. Give it up for Chris Foster. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Brought an unbelievable word about, about life groups. If you're not in a life group or leading a life group, can I just tell you, you are missing the boat. Life groups are the vehicle for Vintage Church when it comes to serving people, man. Nothing in our church creates true, authentic community like life groups. Okay? Raise your hand if you're in a life group. Raise them high. Amen. Amen. So the rest of y'all need to wake up. Okay? 
get in a life group. If you don't, there's not one that fits you, start one. All right? I'm going to tell you something about our life group. We have a men's group. And I'm going to tell you, man, we, we, we have true authentic community. We have true transparency. We have accountability. We have honesty. And we met this past Tuesday night. And, man, I just I get so much from those men. You know, their wisdom, their, 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 just their view on things. And it was just awesome. It's awesome time to come together and rally around each other and pray for one another, build each other up. That's what life groups and community are all about, okay? So that's my plug on life groups. Get in one. I'm going to punch you in the face. Um, amen. Amen, whoever said that. That's awesome. Marry that woman, whoever said that. All right, three things I want to do today. I want to talk about God's call on us to serve. I want to talk about why people don't serve. And I want to challenge you to service. But before that, I'm going to give you a little disclaimer. I'm going to use the word service and ministry interchangeably today because I don't think they're that far apart. And when I tell you something, I'm, I'm going to start my 18th year in ministry. And let me tell you something. Your pastor would tell you the same thing. Our other pastors would tell you the same thing. Ministry and service are messy. It's impossible to serve other people. It's impossible to minister to other people without getting your hands dirty. So right up front, I'm, I'm here to tell you, serving others is going to cost you something. You're going to have to be okay with getting your hands dirty. And some of you are going to have to be okay with getting scarred up a little bit. Because that's what happens when we serve, when we minister. We get bumps and bruises. We get scarred up. We get our hands dirty. At times it's uncomfortable. But that's why everybody doesn't do it. But listen to me, no matter how uncomfortable, no matter how many scars, no matter how dirty, no matter how much dirt gets under, up under your fingernails, serving others, serving God is always these two things. First of all, it's always a calling. And secondly, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. It's been said that serving God is serving others. That's how we serve God, is by showing God's love to other people. Guys, today I want us to dig deep. I want you to dig deep, because nobody can tell you where you're at. That's something between you and God. But today I want you to dig down deep. Because God's Word, God's Word is very specific on serving others. And today I want to challenge you to get past all the obstacles, to tear down all the walls that are keeping you from doing something that God calls all of us to do. And I want to challenge you to take this thing to the next level. You in? All right, here we go. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We'll begin at verse 17. The Bible says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these ten cheeses to their commander of their unit. 
See how your brothers are and bring back some assurances from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for Vintage Church. Not for these walls and chairs, God, but for these folk. God, you're very specific that, that a church is not something that's made with the hands of man. God, your church is your people. The people who come together in unity and one accord, like-minded, who believe in you. Who believe in the power of the resurrection and the payment of our sin by Jesus Christ. God, have your will in your way here today. God, I pray that you cleanse my heart you give me the words that you'd have me say, and God, that you would show up and do work here today. In your holy name we pray, amen. First Samuel chapter 17, and you all probably know this chapter, this is a chapter on David and Goliath, we're not going to talk about that today, because just like in a lot of stories in the Bible, the stories that we learned as, as children, those, those are big, those are wow factor stories, but so much of what happens before those stories is more applicable to our lives. And that's what I want to focus on today. But I want to back up and, and talk about 1 Samuel chapter 16. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, something very amazing happens. Saul has fallen out of favor with God. God has pulled his, his, taken his hand off of Saul and has called the priest, Samuel, to anoint the next king of Israel. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel calls for this man named Jesse. And Jesse has eight sons. And he calls the sons up, and each one is supposed to pass by Samuel, and God's going to tell Samuel whether or not he needs to anoint that, that son as the next king of Israel. So son number one comes up. That's not him. Son number two. No, Samuel, not him. Three, four, five, six, and seven. And God says, that's not him either. And Samuel looks to Jesse, their father, and he says, hey, is there any more? And just says, oh yeah, I got one, the, the youngest one. He's in the pasture tending the sheep. This is how important this is. Samuel says, go get him now. None of us will sit until he gets here. So they go and they fetch David. And from the moment he walks in, God's Spirit is upon him. The Bible talks about how good-looking David is, his complexion. And he walks in, and he passes before Samuel, and God says, that's the man. Anoint him now. And so David is anointed as the future king of Israel. Right after this happens, remember, God's pulled his hand off of Saul, and an evil spirit starts to to trouble Saul. So much to the point he can't be comforted. Till finally they say, hey, I know this guy named David. He's very good at playing music. So the king says, go get him. And they bring David, the future king of Israel, and he sits there and he plays music to soothe Saul. And that's the only thing that will comfort Saul. Now let's fast forward to chapter 17. To this passage we just read. There's a battle between the Israelites and the Philistines. And three of David's brothers are serving as soldiers on the front lines. 
And Jesse calls up his son David, the future king of Israel now. He says, hey, David, I want you to take some bread and some cheese to your brothers, find out what's going on, and report back. Now, a lot of biblical scholars think that during this time, David was around 16, 17, 18 years old. Okay? I say that for a reason. But you look at how David responds here. Okay? David had just been anointed as the future king of Israel. Okay? He's already been employed by the current king of Israel, and now he's being asked to carry bread and cheese to the soldiers on the front lines of the battlefield. I don't know about you, but I started thinking about when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Y'all do that right now. Take a second. Go. I threw up in my mouth. What'd you do? Imagine being 17 years old and somebody saying, hey, Matt, you get to rule the world. That don't freak anybody else out. Matt at 17, ruling the world? Everybody's okay with that? You see where I'm going with this? I mean, I can just see David. Hey, David, take some bread and cheese to your brothers. Find out what's going on. Report back. <laughs> Dad, really? Okay, hang on a second, Dad. I don't know if you missed the meeting last week. You know, where they old me up really good, the herbal essence. I really don't do bread and cheese, Dad. Find somebody else to do it. I don't take anything to anybody. They bring it to me. I don't know about you, but that's how I would respond. But look at what David does. He takes the bread and the cheese to the front lines. He reports to his brothers. And you know the rest of the story, right? Service. Serving others. That's the focus of this message today. And before we get down into it, I want us to look at the first thing. Does God call us to serve? Does God call us to serve? What does His Word say? James 1.22 says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I put this scripture in here because whenever we talk about what God's Word says about something, I love James 1.22 because it puts everything in perspective. You see, you can't just read God's Word and take it at face value. You have to apply it to your life. God's Word is active. It's alive. It requires movement, just like service. Service will never allow you to stay in that chair. Service requires you to stand up and get after it. Get your hands dirty. Mark 9.35, Jesus said, He called the twelve, and He said to them, If anyone be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Acts 20, 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help, to help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. God calls us 
to serve. Now, here's some things that, that, that God laid on my heart about service. Number one, service is never about me. Serving is never about you. It's not about you. Serving is about those who we serve. Well, how do you get that? How do you get to that point? Well, you've got to change your perspective. Your perspective can't be about you. It's got to be about them. Amen? you got to change your perspective. Second thing, if you want to serve others, you got to get over yourself. You want to know why most people don't serve? Because they can't get out of their own way. They're too worried about how they're going to be inconvenienced. How much time is this going to cost me? How much money is this going to cost me? How much worry is this going to cost me? It's easier to sit there and do nothing. You see, we have to get over ourselves. That requires a change of heart. We have to humble ourselves. The third thing, when it comes to serving, our focus has to change from inward to outward. From inward to outward. We have to change the way we think. That means we have to change our mind. If we're going to do what God is calling us to do, we have to get out of the way. It can't be about us. We have to get over ourselves. And we have to change the way we think. So our next question, what keeps us from serving? The first thing, immaturity. Immaturity. When I first began in ministry, I was very spiritually immature. And, 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 you know, God's broke me in a lot of ways, and that's why I can stand up here and say that. But I was very spiritually immature. You see, I was more consumed with my goals, my accomplishments, my successes, my failures. Me, 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 me. What's the first rule? It ain't about me. It's about Him. It's about Him. We can't serve others when we're spiritually immature. You see, I didn't see the big picture. I couldn't see the big picture because I was standing in front of the mirror. Guys, we have to be spiritually mature. You know what maturity is? Maturity is the ability to see and act on behalf of others. Spiritual maturity is the ability to see and act on behalf of others. That's what it's all about. We got a new baby coming to our house in December, okay? And, and, and my wife ripped my face the other day. She said, I just want you to know something. We're going to have another baby. And I'm going to require you to step up a little bit. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> she said that to me. And I'm going to tell you something. I needed it. I needed it. All right? She come and sat beside me. We're about to break bread together. And she's ripping my face. Gonna need a little help, Casey. Okay? Gonna need a little help. I thought, I cook supper. What more do you want me to do? You know? But I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
She's like, we got another baby coming. I can't do it all by myself. I need some help. Turns out that was woman talk for a leg rub. Just want her legs rubbed. Okay, who knew? Women. But it really, it really, I really thought about that. Right? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta start being more mature and thinking about how she feels and how my actions affect others. That's what it's all about. There's a saying that says, maturity does not always come with age. Sometimes age comes alone. Yeah, that hit home. Because I'm older than my wife. And I always tell her that means I'm wiser. It doesn't mean that. I just tell her that. Okay? But spiritual maturity doesn't come with age. Okay? Think about you. Think, think, think about how you act towards your spouse, towards your family. Maybe if you're not married, how do you act towards your coworkers, towards your friends? Are, do you act spiritually mature or spiritually immature? Because we can only serve others when we put their needs and their matters ahead of ours. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, having trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you notice that word trained? It's a process. You're not just born and say, hey, I've arrived, God. I'm a spiritually mature human being now. You can leave me alone. Let me roll. Okay? I'm good. You don't get to do that. It's a process. Okay? As we grow, as we grow closer to God, as we grow in our lives, as, as, we, as we have more people that we encounter, the process grows. Okay? of finding out if we're spiritually mature or not. James 1, 4, uh, James 1, 4 says, Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, Ephesians 4, 15, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul says in Ephesians, Our goal is not to become like the person sitting beside us. Our goal is not to become like our spouse. Our goal is to become like Christ who Philippians said humbled himself to the point of servitude, who made himself of no reputation, who came to save, who came to serve. Guys, the goal is Christ. We don't serve because we're immature. Secondly, we don't serve because of ego. Sometimes our ego prevents us from serving others. The reason why, we can have a pretty warped opinion of ourselves, Right? Uh, there's a saying that says, uh, if you aren't hungry for serving God, you may be full of yourself. If you're not hungry for serving God, you may be full of yourself. Speaks volumes. Sometimes we can't serve others because our ego is in the way. Do you know that ego is a byproduct of being spiritually immature? When all you think about is yourself, all you'll ever build is ego. When all you think about is others, ego can't exist. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I love that scripture. Um, Tuesday night, small group, we were sitting around, and, and a couple of the guys brought up, 
just some things we were struggling with. And, and, and being uh, older, older men and, and having kids, um, one of the guys in our group said, hey, man, you know, I find myself sometimes, you know, just thinking more about what I'm leaving behind. And, and you know, death, death becomes more of something that you think about. I worry about what I'm leaving behind. Like, I don't want to leave my kids without a, without a father, right? And as he was talking about this, another guy brought up this scripture and said, man, that's where we have to, we have to bring every thought captive to obey Christ, you know? I mean, I just couldn't get away from that scripture. And it's true. Yeah, man, I love my kids and I love my wife and I, I don't, I, I want to stay with them. But let me tell you something. I can't love them more than I love God. I, I've never been to heaven. I don't know what it's like. I know what God's word says about it. But I also know this. That when we get there, the only thing that's going to matter is worshiping Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to matter. And I think about, man, I, I don't want me to get in the way of that. That if on this earth my, my job is to be more like Christ, I can't let my ego get in the way of serving others. 1 Timothy 6 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Listen to this. They are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Did you catch that? But if you serve others, that's the key to true life. That's the key. Not serving yourself, but serving others. Next thing. Failure, failure to value everyone. We will never be able to serve others if we don't value others. The first step in adding value to others is valuing others. I don't mean to be redundant. It's just the way it is. got to love people. you gotta, you got to value other people. All right? My grandpa used to tell me, <laughs> he said, no matter how hard you work or how much you work, none of that matters if you don't value others. If you can't work and get along with other people, it doesn't matter how much effort, how much sweat you put into it. Because deep down, people genuinely know whether or not you truly care about them. As Matt was, God was laying vintage on Matt's heart. How many of you have been here long enough to, to remember Invest, Invite, Influence? Raise your hand if you remember that. Invest, Invite, Influence. Yeah. Do you know it's not like Influence, invite, invest. It's invest, invite, influence for a reason. You know why invest is first? Because it's the most important. People don't care what God's Word said. People don't care how much or, or how, what, what we do on Sunday mornings. The first thing people care about is that you care about them. All of you are here today because somebody cared about you first. Even God's Word tells us in the Gospel of John, I chose you before you ever chose me. Guys, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We have to value 
others. Ephesians 1, Philippians 1, Colossians 1, Paul says the same thing in all three verses. I pray for all of you daily. You are always in my remembrance for all that you've done for me. You see, when we serve others, our perspective changes. It's not about what they can do for us, but it's about what we can do for them. And that places value on them. Somebody cared enough about me to tell me, hey. Somebody cared enough about me to shake my hand. Somebody cared enough about me to tell me they were glad to see me. Somebody cared enough about me to pull me in the prayer room and put their arm around me and pray over me. Somebody cared enough about me to tell me when I was going down the wrong road. Somebody cared enough about me to pay so I could go to drug rehab. Somebody cared enough about me to invite me to experience what God has to offer. If we're ever going to serve people, we have to find value in them. James 2.8 says, if you really keep the royal law, as it is found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We can't serve others because we're immature, because we have ego, if we don't value others. And lastly, we can't serve others if, we're, if we listen to insecurity. Because let me tell you something. When it comes to serving others, insecurity may be the devil's greatest weapon. If he can use insecurity for two seconds, he can sow seeds of doubt in your mind. Casey, what are you talking about? I can't serve at Vintage. I don't have anything to offer. I'm too screwed up. I'm too scared. I'm too scarred. What if they knew about my past? I'm going to tell you what your pastor tells you. Welcome to Vintage where we're all screwed up. Welcome to Vintage where we all have a past. Welcome to Vintage where we're all scarred. Welcome to Vintage where you can lay all that at the foot of the cross. Don't let the devil tell you that you can't serve. Don't let the devil tell you that you don't have anything to offer. If we're ever going to follow what God's Word says, if we're ever going to follow the great commission that was set forth by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we must tear down the wall of insecurity and break through and serve others. I'm going to tell you all something you don't know. I'm going to call our band up. They can come up and get ready. Every time I come up here and preach, there's something that happens that none of y'all see. Being in ministry, and and Matt and other pastors can tell you this, you you can prepare for weeks, for months, to come up and preach, and it takes about two seconds for the devil to start putting insecurity in your head. Man, they're not going to get that. You're going to blow this opportunity. And so much of that stuff's mental, man. Devil weighing on you. Man, if they knew how you used to be, if they knew the things that you've done, blah, blah, blah. It can make you get up here and feel like, man, I'm just going to, why am I even doing this? 
It doesn't happen every time, but it happens a lot of times. And every time that I have to preach here, or I get to preach here, about 30 minutes before I walk up here, there's a man here named Terry Hahn. He grabs me by the arm and says, come on, boy. And we go back here to this classroom. And he puts his arm around me. He prays for me. He prays for anointing. He prays for all of you. That all the baggage you carry into this place is wiped away. And your ears are open and your hearts are open and your minds are open. That you're ready to soak up what God's Word has in store for you today. And I thank God for that man. Because I'm going to tell you, I come up here and I have the confidence to bring God's Word. And the devil ain't within a million miles of this place because of that dude's prayer. Church, listen to me. God has called us to serve. He has called the church to be that service. Satan's going to do everything in his power to keep you from serving other people. What will you do? That's the question. Are you too good to carry bread and cheese? The coolest thing about serving at Vintage is you don't have to look far to find an opportunity to serve. First contact. Kid zone. Youth. Being an usher, worship arts, set up, tear down, prayer team, you name it. Leading a small group. Opportunities are all around us. God's calling you to do something. And the worst thing you can do is put it off to next week. I'm going to ask our elders and our pastors to spread out, if you would. This wouldn't be proper if we didn't give you an opportunity to respond. This altar's open. There are people around here that care and love you, that would love to be here. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you just want to talk to somebody about serving. Hey, just pray for me. I'm, I'm battling what God's calling me to do. There they are. Don't leave here the same way you showed up. It's too important. The bottom line is you're called to serve. And this can only happen when we get out of the way and humble ourselves and act. No more excuses. No more half-hearted commitment. The time is now. It's time to take a flying leap of faith and go all in and put others in front of ourselves. That's what it means to surrender to the cause of Christ. After this service, there's going to be people outside under the tent. Opportunities for you to sign up if God, if God calls you to it. I'm not here to bully you into doing it. I'm not here to scare you into doing it. Because that's, that's not serving in love. But there are people there you can ask questions to. People here that are ready to pray with you. I want to leave you with this one last thing. You'll never become the giant slayer that God wants you to be if you're too good to carry bread and cheese. If you're too big for the small things, you'll be too small for the big things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. 
God, thank you for your call. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. And God, I pray that your sweet spirit would come into this place yet again. God, would cover these people. God, they would respond. God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.